Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We have a great show in store for you today. So whether you are listening to this podcast or you are watching us on YouTube, we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along if you can. My name is Amber Jordan, and I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, a.k.a. Mo. Mo, how's it going today? Hey, what's going on, Amber? Doing well. Been drinking a lot of coffee this morning. Shocking, I know. But uh, I'm always ready to talk leadership, so let's do it. Well, Mo, you titled today's episode, Become a Lifelong Teacher. And, you know, it seems to me like every guy has a story of having a crush on one of his elementary school teachers. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, that's totally true. I'm not going to tell you those stories, but, you know, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got one, right? I do. I do. I have at least one. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It just seems like every guy has that story, and I'm sure there's some <laughs> psychological reason or whatever. But... You know, when you're, when you talk about becoming a lifelong teacher, you know, I know you're not going to be talking to us today about necessarily becoming, you know, a profession of teacher, um, which would be great if people are out there thinking about that, but it's not so much the profession, but more about the lifestyle of being a teacher. And, you know, I, but I'm wondering to myself, like, okay, well, what kind of teacher do I really want to be? Because there's a whole spectrum, right? There's like the stand and deliver teacher where it's like inspiring and encouraging and, you know, would fight through all the tough stuff. And then there's the Ferris Bueller's Day Off teacher was like Bueller, <laughs> Bueller, <laughs> you know, That's right, yeah. and it really could go either way. So how do you know? How would I know what kind of teacher I really am or how do I become the lifelong teacher that I would want to be? And so today you're right. going to give us three things that we need to commit to, to being a lifelong teacher. So why don't you tell us what's the first thing we need to commit to? <laughs> well, that's great. And so both my parents uh, for their entire careers were educators, you know, teachers. Uh, my mom was a special education teacher and my dad uh, was a social studies I, I, a teacher. I don't even know if they call it social studies, history, stuff like that. Um, so I, I know well um, about, you know, what it means to be a teacher as a profession. And so I, I love our teachers out there. Um, and I think there's there's such a market for um, teaching the youth of tomorrow and the leaders of tomorrow, the right things. And so um, what does it take to be a lifelong teacher? And just like you said, Amber, it doesn't matter if you are actually a professional teacher in leadership. We're all teachers. I mean, we, we have to be, that's part of the job. And so today, the first of those three things is this, you need to commit to yourself. Um, John Wooden said that, you know, J John Wooden was, was the great uh, basketball coach for the UCLA Bruins, 10 championships in 12 years, et cetera. And he said that he's not even a coach. He was a teacher of young men through the use of basketball. And I thought, man, that's really how it is. So whatever you're doing out there, leaders, you are doing your job. Um, and your job doesn't, you know, uh, doesn't, it's not your, your identity, but you are a leader to people. At your job and, and whatever it is, those people that look to you um, as they follow you, whether they want to or because they have to, <laughs> they're expecting you to do good stuff for them. And so are you committed to yourself? Because before you do anything worthwhile for anybody else, 
You have to put the time in to become the best version of yourself, right? We talk about that a lot. And unless you have something to give others, there's no real reason to be in any kind of leadership or management position. And remember that everybody is going to have the chance to lead and they're going to be asked to lead sometime in life. The question is, are you going to be ready when you're asked? And so if you want to help people reach their full potential, you need to first make sure that you can reach your full potential, right? And again, we never really arrive, but it's, it's something that we have to continue to do. And that's why you have to commit to yourself. And that means you need to have good teachers in your own life, right? I learned from a very young age that Amber, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. <laughs> and, and I figured, you know, Hey, all I need to do is go to school, get the degree and then everybody's going to listen to my great wisdom. But unfortunately for me, and fortunately for everybody else, right? <laughs> Kevin told me at an early age that, you know, if I took this approach, I wasn't going to have very many people who wanted to follow me. And that would mean I wouldn't even really be a leader at all. So I guess the first and easiest question would be, are you continually learning? And how are you doing that? You see, a practical way, leaders, for you uh, to make this a reality would be to read books. How many books are you reading right now? I mean, do you read one book a year? Because if that's the case, that's cool. So what would it look like to read two books a year, right? And then three and then so on and so on. And the reason that we need to do this is because we have mentors, men and women, uh, who have done stuff before us. And those mentors are even in books and audios and things like that. You might not ever ever meet these people. And Amber, you know that I've got my favorite authors, the men and women that I look to, they're my go-to. And whenever they write something, man, I'm the first one to, to pick it up off the shelf, right? <laughs> and so um, one of my mentors is fond of saying, the secret of success is not really a secret at all because every person who's ever had a great deal of success has written a book about it, right? <laughs> and I would say that's true. And like I mentioned in many podcasts before, because I'm a swimming coach, I read a lot of books on coaching athletes, right? And because I'm in the business world, I read a lot of books about selling. And you know what the main part of pretty much any book of a successful salesperson is? Relationships. <laughs> All selling is about relationships, right? It's about having, being relatable to other people. It's not about just making the sale because you got to, if you want to continue to be success, su successful, you have to have a long-term relationship with your clients. And so if you want to be great at whatever you do, you have to be able to be good at relationships, which again means that you have to come back and become the best version of yourself. You see, nobody's going to want to be around you if you're not likable and if you don't have something to offer them. <laughs> well, Mo, you, we talk a lot about reading books. And I know when you and I first sat down together, you would ask me like, hey, have you read this book? And have you read that book? And I very proudly said, of course, I read those books. And then you said, <laughs> well, what are they about? Or how are you right. applying them? And that's when the whole conversation went south because I, I read the books, <laughs> but then I right. would, you know, kind of read it, move on to the next one, read it, move on to the next one. So what would you say to our listeners out there who have a whole bookshelf of books or, you know, in their Kindle library, they can point to all the books they've read, but they don't feel like any of the books are working. Yeah. You know, that's a great question. And it reminds me again of one of, uh, one of my, my favorite, uh, uh, quotes from a financial mentor that I, that I've had for years now. And he used to say this, he said, you know, Mo, when I, when I tell you to read these books, it's not just buy the book, open it up, skim through it a little bit, and then put it on the shelf and be able to look back and say, man, them some nice looking books, right? <laughs> he said, <laughs> you have to actually apply it. And so 
with you and with everybody. It wasn't, it wasn't just you, Amber. I, I know you think that I'm, that I'm out to get you all the time, but I think you're learning now that, that I ask these, these hard and mean questions to everybody. Right. And you're just like, Oh, maybe Mo really does say this stuff to everybody. I, and, and I do because the same things were said to me. It's not about just owning the books. And so if I were to pick that book up off your shelf, you just, you know, open it up and the spine would just crack. Cause it's the first time it's been opened. <laughs> no, it's about opening the book reading it and applying it. One of my favorite books, and you know this, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. He says in the beginning of that book, and most of us skip the forward, and let me just tell you a little, little bit of free chicken today. Do not skip the forward. The forward is, is uh, in the introduction. Those are the two most important parts of the book because they tell you what the book is and give you a synopsis of it. But in that synopsis, Dale Carnegie says, look, this is the only book you're ever going to need to read on relationships. I mean, that's how... That's how, you know, uh, important he thought that book was. And of course it was, but he said, read through the book once and then go back and study it for the rest of your life. <laughs> Leaders, what are you studying for the rest of your life? And so I, I guess, Amber, for this point, my, my last thing that I, I would say is this, you need to have people who are asking you the hard questions. Like my, my financial mentor was asking me, if he didn't ask me that question, I would have thought like you, oh, I'm reading tons of books. I'm doing great. Well, no, because if I want to get better, if you want to get better, you have to be able to commit to taking that criticism. And that's what it was. He was pretty much saying, Mo, I know you're not reading all those books. And I wasn't at that time. Now I do, because I know he's going to ask me those questions. He's going to say, what's it about? And if I don't know, he's going to say, go back and see what it's about. But do you notice that he already knows what it's about because he's read those books as well? And sometimes when I, when I bring books to people like him, I'll say, hey, have you read this? And he'll say, you know what? I haven't, but then he will. <laughs> and I'm just like, holy cow. I mean, that's what we need to do. If you want to help others, it's more than just, you know, putting yourself in a position to give people your opinion. It's about accepting criticism, getting better, committing to yourself so that you can actually have real wisdom and discernment for your people, right? Not just the fake stuff that everybody, you know, it's just not, it's not about wanting people to think you're smart. It's about having the actual knowledge and wisdom and discernment so that you can really help people. And that's the way you're going to help people get on and stay on the right track. Yeah, that's a really good point. So first to become a lifelong teacher, we need to commit to ourselves or commit to yourself, what is the second commitment we need to make? Yeah. After you commit to yourself, you have to commit to your people, right? You're a leader. I mean, you're not just an entrepreneur. You're, you're, you're not a lone ranger. You have to do the tough thing and know, Hey, I'm not perfect. I'm going to get better and better every day, but I want to have something to give, but you've got to have people to give it to, right? <laughs> so whoever's looking to you for leadership, they need to know, man, this leader's on my side. That doesn't mean you, you have to pamper them or make life easy. In fact, Amber, you know, I do anything except for make people's lives easy, right? I mean, I, I, I just, uh, sometimes we'll have, we'll have conversations and then I'll be like, man, Amber really hates me. And I'm usually right, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but the first thing that, that, I will, that, that I usually tell my student athletes every year when they come into the program for, for our swim team is this. I say, look, uh, you, can, you can be sure that what you're going to get from me is that I'm committed to your success. And I'm committed to do everything that I can within my power to help you become the best that you can be, right? The best version of themselves. But after that, I also let them know that now it's all on them. <laughs> it's their decision that matters. They have to want to become better, but there's no question in their minds that I am committed to them as their leader and as somebody who is on their side. So are you committed to the success of your people? Well, what does that look like practically? 
Well, I mean, I guess, so a lot of us, you know, work in an office or have worked in an office, right? So when you get into the office, does your team know that you're doing everything in your power to make their lives better? As the leader, people expect you to make good decisions. And when you're committed to them and to their success, it's going to show in the way that you communicate with them. And that's why you need to be a relational person. This is why getting to know your people is so important. And every day you have to make strides to help your people get better. When you say make their lives better, I can't help but think of Pam on the office when all she wanted was a new desk chair. <laughs> and Michael <laughs> yes. said she could have his chair as soon as he picked out a new one. And man, it's like he just kept digging in his heels and would not pick out a new chair. And she was so frustrated with him. Right. And so you don't want to be that kind of leader, right? I mean, we, we want to do a whole podcast on, on the pros and cons of Michael Scott. That would probably be one, one of the cons, right? You don't want, you don't want your people to, <laughs> to have to deal with that. But, you know, uh, there was a recent study uh, put out by, uh, uh, by uh, Ohio State. Sorry, it, it, it's tough to say that. Uh, maybe I'll just call it the Ohio State. That's easier for you Ohio State people out there. But it's called um, Why Commitments Are Important in Leadership. And man, let me tell you, there were some major findings in that article, but one that really caught my attention was centered on leaders and their relationships with people in their companies. And of course, it was about, you know, leaders are committed to their people. And when they are, they end up fostering a culture where their followers are committed both to one another and then also the leader as well. But furthermore, really, here's the cool part. That in this article, they found out that these people, they end up working harder for the company. So if we're committed to people, they're going to work harder for you and for the company because they know that you have their best interests in mind and that you just don't want res results for the company, but you want results for them personally. And that you're going to go above and beyond expectations for them. So they're going to go above and beyond in their expectations of themselves and whatever's in their job description. So are you committed to your people, right? <laughs> if I were to take a survey of the people at your work that look towards you and your company as somebody who leads them, would they say that you have their best, their best interests in mind? Or would they say that you put other things above them? Because when you put them above all other things about, above your own personal goals, and even sometimes above the company goals, you say, Hey, let's work through this together. Trust me, your people are really going to look toward you and say, man, I really want to follow this leader. I really want to be somebody who can be as committed to them as they are to me. Okay, so number one, commit to yourself. Number two, commit to your people. What is the third and final commitment we need to make? This is my favorite one, Amber, and you know this, right? And, and I've been waiting, right? You got to commit to the process. <laughs> we talk about the process every week, but the final <laughs> way, I mean, you have to be committed to yourself. You have to be committed to your people, but you have to be committed to the process. If you want to be a lifelong teacher, Commit to the process. I know, shocking, 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 right? And and the fact that you're in a lifelong pursuit of anything would mean that you have to commit to whatever process that is. And leadership is no different. And again, I can't stress enough how important it actually is to enter the process. Don't just throw the phrase around, right? Oh yeah, I'm in the process, I'm in the process of this. No, so many people think that they are committed to a process, but they're not really committed to anything. And don't use it as just one of those buzzwords, buzz terms for other people to say, oh wow, they really know what they're doing. But what are you doing on a daily basis? 
Well, but when you say don't just throw the phrase around, like that that's hard sometimes because it really can seem like this mystical or sort of ethereal yes. idea of like the process. <laughs> <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> wh- how do you know if you're committed to the process? Right. Well, I mean, it, it's a little bit different for everybody else and in all circumstances um are unique, right? But you could pretty much stay objectively right here. You can do this. You can sit down and write your goals and your values in your own life, right? And then you figure out, do those goals and values drive the principles that I'm all about, right? Or what's important to me? Goals, values, principles. When you get these things down, you'll find out if you are really committed to what you say you're committed to doing. And of course, you know, when we're talking about anything or wherever you work, your personal beliefs have to coincide with the culture of the company. I mean, that that that's really where it needs to be. Otherwise, you're just gonna gonna uh, gonna bounce up 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 against it, and it's and it's gonna end up being not, not not a good situation, right? So this is probably you know what you need to do to get your life working in such a way that you can have different conversations, not just with yourself, but also with your people. But but once your goals and your values have been established, and you know those principles that drive you then you can really commit to whatever that process is. That's why it's so difficult, Amber, to stay engaged when you have to be doing stuff on a day-to-day basis, right? I mean, that, that, that's where you know people get really frustrated. Leaders say one thing and then they do another, right? And, and when you don't clearly define what your objectives are and apply them to the vision, to, to the vision and mission statement of whatever the company is, there's there's no room for growth. But when you do commit to the vision and the mission statement, then there's no room for ambiguity. <laughs> and, and what I like to teach everybody that I coach, whether um, I'm, I'm leading companies or student athletes or anything in between, I know that uncertainty matters and clarity matters. I always want to keep my clarity meter higher than the uncertainty meter. There's going to be a lot of things uncertain in life, but as leaders, my job is to live within that insert that uncertainty, which is really uncomfortable, right? That's why people don't like leadership because there's always uncertainty. You're never going to have it all figured out. But when you know that uncertainty and you can live and say, I'm going to raise the clarity meter a, a little bit higher and do just the best that I can, you're going to start to change the, the, the climate and, and the day-to-day basis is going to be a little bit different for you. There's always going to be uncertainty, (laughs) which is why when you commit to the process as a leader, it's really going to change everything you do. And it's like my, one of my favorite coaches, the, the, the great, uh, Paul bear Bryant roll tide once said, it's not the will to win that matters. Everyone has that. It's the will to prepare to win that matters. And that's how you prepare to win. That's how you have the will. You, you figure out your goals your values, the principles, the things that shape you. Then you figure out what's, what's your vision statement? What's your mission statement? Again, Amber, you and I have talked a ton about your personal mission statement, right? And you say, well, I think it's this. And it's not as easy as, as it seems, right? <laughs> it's not. But we really have to do that as a leader because your personal mission statement leaders out there and your personal vision statement, those are important to wherever you go. I can fit within any culture as long as my personal mission statement is being fulfilled because I want to be, uh, I want to uh, uh, feel fulfilled in the things that I do. And as a leader, it's my job to help get my people in such a way that they can do the same thing. So that's where, where the process comes into play. And that's why it's so important to commit to the process. Well, we're just about out of time, but to become a lifelong teacher, we, we need to number one, commit to yourself 
Number two, commit to your people. And number three, commit to the process. So before we go, Mo, any final thoughts for us today? Yeah, I, I really hope that people understand how important it is for you to be a good leader, right? Committing to be a lifelong teacher is no small feat. Trust me, like I said, both my parents are educators. I know how much time that each of them put in so that their students got the best of who they were. And uh, it, it, to, to, to the end of both their careers, people can look to them and say, man, that was a teacher in my life that changed my life. You want to be a teacher that changes people's lives. And it means living with purpose every day. It means staying focused on what's important. It means being committed to your own mission statement and the mission statement of your company and then your people all at the same time. So that's how you're going to make yourself indispensable to whatever team that you're on right now. And it's going to continue to make your leadership style get better and you're going to become a better leader and you're going to help other people get better as well. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you everybody for joining us once again. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.